time once again for another thrilling episode of Mark Out Radio. Of Mark Out Radio. For the next hour, sit back, pull the stick out of your ass, and enjoy. Be warned though, smarts and internet know-it-alls will be offended, annoyed, and generally pissed off at what's about to happen to your ear holes. You've been warned. Now, Mark Out Radio. Oh, there we go. Hold on. Where's my nitro theme? Hey, producer boy, where's my fucking nitro theme? You gonna put that in there? There we go. Thank you. Always something. (laughs) All right. Turn that shit down. <laughs> Thank you, producer boy. Well done. Back in the saddle and you're rusty as fuck too, huh? Alright, there we go. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to... Uh, well, that's being awfully generous of me. Market Radio Ghost Nitro, episode 91 for June 9th, 1997, out of the Fleet Center in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, hosted by Tony Schiavone, Larry Zabisco, Mike Denae, and of course, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Now... Before we get rolling here, uh, there's a bit of an elephant in the room. Uh, why the fuck did I take so much time off? Well, I mean, two things happened. Uh, first, I was trying to line up a special guest host for the Great American Bash, and the uh, former wrestler kept having to reschedule until I just kind of got fed up and canceled the whole thing. This kind of shit happens from time to time. I'm not going to out the guy or anything. I is a good dude. Just couldn't get the scheduling to work out right. It would have been cool, though, uh, to get that because... Uh, do I want to? See? Yeah, I will. I he's got a match at the Bash in '97, Great American Bash. So it kind of would have been cool, but it is what it is. Shit happens. Uh, second, I mean, last week I intended to actually run the show, but my board literally shit the bed as I was getting set up. The board fizzed, popped, and then I lost the entire thing with a little plume of smoke coming up from it. I, the thing is, I think I don't know. It's a shitty board. It's about 20 years old. It's it's kind of. I've been using it since I started podcasting, really. So it, it kind of shut the bed. Um, so this week I'm limping along using a headset. Um, it's This is a muck-together soundboard as well. So while I wait for my new board to arrive. So for now, Markout Radio is going a little bit old school back to before I had my nice setup. Most of you won't notice much difference, if I'm honest. But there are some audio snobs out there among you. So just chill out, roll with it for a couple shows. I made these as clean as possible. But, I mean, it's a gaming headset. So... The auto is not going to be probably what you expect it to be, so strap yourselves in. By the way, uh, big shout out to uh, my boy um, Hipster Punchy. Thank you on Twitch. Uh, he used to do this show with us. I'm fairly sure he still hates me, but he's a good dude. You should go listen to his stuff. Twitch.tv/hipsterpunchy. Good dude. Now let's uh, kill the nitro music, shall we? Thank you. All right, now let's um, let's have a little bit of fun, shall we? Yeah, no, don't do that. Don't, there's just don't don't do that. We're doing for you. Ah, oh, come on, that's not how we do this. Jesus Christ! All right, uh, on to the show. This is Nitro's fifty-second win in a row with a three-point-four to Raw's two-point-two. Sixteen thousand twenty-five people actually paid a gate of two thousand two hundred forty-three thousand nine hundred forty-six dollars to be in an audience of eighteen thousand and three people. Obviously, almost two thousand people didn't pay to be there. Now, there was one hundred thirty-eight thousand one hundred dollars in merch sales last night of course was king of the ring 97 over in the wwf where they had a crowd of 9,312 
Raw has been on a downward slide, and the King of the Ring 97 did nothing to bolster their numbers. Of course, half of the fun with WWF pay-per-views has always been their claimed attendance numbers. In this case, they claimed 13,312, which was exactly 4,000 more than were actually there. Now, WWE would get wise to padding the numbers later and choose less obvious lies but at the time this was a fairly normal procedure and at times it's still fairly normal bullshit that they continue to pull now to be fair here this was when the click was starting to get their way with booking for example the austin michaels match got a lull of the build and was featured all over their advertising for the pay-per-view with the undertaker's match seeming to be an afterthought even though taker was the actual champion at the time now on the poster, instead of it being uh, Michaels and Austin and Taker and Farouk, who was going to be Undertaker's uh, match opponent, they used Michaels, Austin, Undertaker, and Ahmed Johnson's face. Now, this was not a form of subtle racism where the marketing idiots don't know the difference between Simmons and Johnson. It's just that Johnson was legitimately being pushed at the time, right up until he started wrestling Hunter Hearst Helmsley. The quarterfinals, by the way, for the King of the Ring saw Johnson losing via disqualification to Triple H, but then Triple H found himself in another match with Crush that he won via pinfall. Now, there was a bit of a lame swerve here where Hunter wasn't told that a DQ victory wouldn't allow him to proceed in the tournament, even though that's never been a rule in the King of the Ring, either before or after. So why did the WWF do this right now? No idea. Uh, they had plenty of mid-carders to throw into this tournament. Ultimately, it would seem that it was done so that Hunter could look like a stronger winner in the end. Some online smarks, though, of course, my favorite people in the world, claim that he should have he did it to look strong because he wrestled two matches that night. Uh, one, of course, against Ahmed Johnson, which was 7 minutes 42 seconds, and then against Mankind to win the uh, King of the Ring in 19 minutes 26 seconds. Now, that would probably be true, except that Mick Foley also wrestled two matches that night, and his first one was 10 minutes 24 seconds to Hunter's 7 minutes 42 and he had less of a rest before his final King of the Ring bout but revisionist history is fun for the whole fucking family so let's go with that shall we here's the thing we look back on Hunter's career a little differently nowadays because he gave us NXT let's face facts here though he was a political player in the WWF and always has been it's just that over the last decade or so he's been our political player where he used to just be out for himself and Sean and it was we're, we're talking WCW and Nitro here not the inner machinations of backstage politics in the WWF in the 90s although that is going to come into picture over the next couple of years in the WCW anyways but let's just hit pause on that for now now as Nitro starts, here's the thing. I just went off on a bit of a tear about how the WWF likes to fuck with their fucking numbers. And the first thing that comes out of Shivani's mouth tonight on Nitro is that Nitro's attendance is 22,000 strong. I mean, for fuck's yeah. sakes. I, I guess if... <laughs> I guess if I was firing myself, that would be it. Except that um, this is my fucking show. There you go. Thank you, Marianne, who absolutely does hate me, anyways. Uh, it's just common practice for these fucking carnies, but whatever. Once the introductions are done for the announced team, Tony lets us know that Hogan and Rodman will team up at the Bash of the Beach in July against the team yet to be named. Anyways, 
We go back to where DDP has to kick in a limo window three times to break it. Then Linz slams the door two inches and knocks DDP to the ground. This is the first time the DDP Savage build has been garbage. It was bound to happen at some point, but it did, and now we're here. Perhaps the production monkeys can edit this to make it look better, but they won't do it tonight, that's for sure. First match of the night tonight is Juventud Guerrero, Super Kahlo, Ultimo Dragon, defeating La Parca, Psychosis, and Silver King in a trios tag team match. Two and a half out of five. Now, they called this a three-man tag team because, of course, it is the late 90s, and that's what we called it back then. But we're in modern days, so we can call things a trios, right? Because... Lucha Underground and AAA have exposed us to that. We're allowed to do that now, aren't we? We are? are aren't we allowed to do that? Thank you, producer boy. Anyways, I gave this match two and a half out of five. Tony starts the whole thing off by calling Super Kalo Kalau or Kalo, which is weird. He was just over enunciating it, which was really odd because Tanay didn't even do that. Larry, though, does a decent job of keeping up with things with the action on a play-by-play. Tanay is... Uh, the funny thing is he's kind of lost in this match. I mean, this is his beat, but he just disappears into the background because Larry's actually being able to keep up with what's going on now. And, of course, because he's a better broadcaster than Tanay ever will be, it sort of puts Tanay on the backseat. So it ends up being mostly Tony and Larry for this match. Or, uh, yeah, Tony and Larry this match with Tanay kind of trying to fit in there every now and then, which was odd. Anyways, after this, there's a Gene Rant promo with Luger. Hollywood keeps ducking everybody. That's his job, to be fair. Giant still hasn't gotten his legit shot at the title. Luger is still owed a legit shot at the title. Both could have been swerves at pay-per-views to generate buys, but those didn't happen. Luger almost slips in his promo here, by the way, that's saying that they're owed shots at the world title and instead says that they're owed a tag team shot. A tag team shot at what exactly? We don't know. I guess a tag team shot at Hollywood and Rodman? Who the fuck cares? They're not the champions. I just... Anyways, ultimately, the whole point of this is that Luger is going to face Hogan tonight in a match. Um, The... It seems as though Luger is intimating that this has something to do with the title or with the title picture, but we're going to find out later that it has nothing to do with any of that shit. It's just a goofy promo slash match. Back from break, we got earlier tonight when Tanay was in the parking lot to do an interview with Flair and Piper as they arrive in the shortest limousine ever to arrive at a WCW event. They're announcing that they're facing the Outsiders tonight, presumably for the titles, but no one says, and Tony doesn't clarify, so... Yeah, thanks, guys. There you go. Uh, Next match is Alex Wright defeating Chris Jericho. I gave it two and a half out of five. Wright grabs Jericho's hair the hard way and slams it into the mat. Jericho stiffs him back with a tight clothesline. The announcers here split their time between calling the match and promoting the matches coming up in the card. My only beef here is that sometimes they were distracted with promoting the later matches and left some key elements out of the play-by-play for this match. Larry had an unfortunate observation here where he wonders how I'm going to try to, I'm going to try not to smile uh, because I am a grown child. Um, He wants to know how Hall and Nash will shoot off their mouths when it's full of tradition. I, Oh, good for you. Here's the thing. 
I know that I'm a grown child. I get that. Uh, I watch wrestling. I enjoy the the childishness of that. But I also am kind of curious as to Hall and Nash are going to shoot out their mouths once it's full of tradition. All right. I producer didn't like that one. Oh, God damn you. I hate you, motherfucker. Thank you. All right. Anyways, there were more than a few instances of Wright stiffing Jericho. And while Chris defended himself reasonably well, he didn't seem to want to light the kid up much. He just let him get his shots in and took the loss. After this, uh, Akira Hokuto as the champion defeats uh, Malia Hosaka defending the world the women's title. I gave it two and a half out of five, although it was pretty good. The match itself was okay. Uh, if it was amateurs, uh, but these are champions, uh, both of them are former and current women's champions. So it was okay. That was about it. However, despite them putting on a decent match, um, this is essentially a squash match that Hokotoka can look strong going into the pay-per-view on Sunday to face Medusa. Now, post-match, Hokotoka puts a beating on Hosaka and Medusa makes the save, delivering three Picture perfect German suplexes on Hokuto. Uh, anyways, after this, we get a Gene Rant promo with the Snyder Brothers. Scotty says they deserve a shot at the tag straps. The Heat come out. There's a Donnie Brook because they, of course, believe they deserve a shot at the tag straps. It continues as it gets broken up by three fat refs. Tony tells us the Signers and the Heat are they going to face each other now on Sunday to determine the number one contenders for the straps. The challenge at Road Wild. 1997 in August. So the tag division is actually getting some much needed attention and a two months build. Fuck. Yeah. I'm liking it. Let's see what happens. After this, we get Conan versus Steve Mongo McMichael. It's a no contest. There will be no score for this one because it was effectively just to push what's happening at the pay-per-view, which again is fine. I'm not saying that passive aggressively. It is. It's fine. As Mongo's coming down to the ring, Kevin Green comes out and nails Mongo from behind while that moron Deborah smiles as she shoved forward by the impact. Way to put it over, Deb. Great way to build the actual pay-per-view other than Mongo's wife being a fucking useless pair of tits. Mongo and Green fight to the back while we go to back to the ring to see that Conan has been laid out by a broom that's broken in half. Now, Tanae tells us that the last time this happened, it was humorous, but apparently no one was watching it, including the referee, and no one knows who actually hit him. Now, it probably would have been better because um, Nick Patrick was a referee here. If Nick Patrick, because you know he loves talking to the camera anyways, had said that Hugh Morris had hit him with the broom so that we could actually put all that together. It's, it's intimated, but they don't actually come out and say it is. I just think it would have been better for the build if they had actually just said, okay, yeah, it was Hugh Morris. He blindsided him, laid him out. This is why it's no contest. All right, after this, Lex Luger defeats Hollywood Hogan. I gave it two and a half out of five. Didn't really look like this was going to be a match at first. It didn't end up actually being much of a match. Uh, more of a... Um, kind of more of an organized promo slash chaos. Uh, Hogan comes out wearing a white six NWO shirt. And today lets us know that the championship committee has decreed that this is going to be a non-title match between Hogan and Luger. 
even though Luger is owed a shot. Anyways, Hogan and Bischoff instead get the mic and they cut an in-ring promo addressing J.J. Dillon and Luger. They will not be made to wrestle. So instead, Hogan is going to pose for us while the announcers throw shade at him for a while. Eventually, though, Luger does come out and Hogan and Bischoff cut promos on him while he says nothing. He pie-faces Bischoff before knocking Hogan out of the ring. That couldn't probably have gone much better. It, It... puts over Luger being frustrated and annoyed and makes him look strong. Granted, he's shoving Bischoff around, but whatever. Hall, Nash, and Six come out. Hogan climbs back into the ring as we eventually have to go to break. However, the match has officially started. Back from break, Larry is replaced by Bobby Heenan on commentary, and we're told that Hogan has been put in, has been in charge of the match the whole break. Luger makes a comeback, stops Nash, Hall, and Six from getting into the ring to interfere, then makes Hogan tap to the torture rack in about a flash. Hall, Nash, Six, and Hogan then work over Luger post-match a bit until he's pulled out of the ring by officials, and then he and Bischoff cut a post-match promo, and we get a shot of an NWO ring rat in row six, who was admittedly quite hot. Back from break, we get a Gene in-ring promo with J.J. Dillon. Savage is fined 50 grand for nailing J.J. on the last episode of Nitro. Instead of suspending Savage, though, the WCW is making his match versus DDP at the Bash a lights-out, unsanctioned match. Which is still going to have a pinfall. It just doesn't matter where. Shaky logic, but for wrestling, checks out. Savage appears in the crowd to threaten another JJ beating, and he's got another 50 grand to spend on it. DDP comes down, cuts a fairly decent promo that gets a hell of a reaction out of the Boston crowd, who have been kind of trolling WCW with chance all night long. Savage fights his way down to the ring, and no sooner did he and DDP get hands on each other when he go to break, which is the perfect way to end this segment let's admit it it builds the heat for the pay-per-view it makes them both look strong it's pretty good back from break it is now time for that golden voice bastard lee marshall and i have to be careful how loud i say that now because there's no compressor (laughs) on this so if i shout you guys' ears are gonna blow up Anyways, that Golden Voice Bastard Lee Marshall comes and he does his call-in via the sometimes shitty segment of the 1-800-Collect-Road Report. This time it wasn't bad. There's a couple sideways snipes at Heenan, but they didn't really get much of a reaction from Bobby or really anyone else. After this, Jeff Jarrett defeats Dean Malenko to win the United States Heavyweight title. I gave that 3.5 out of 5. Deborah conspicuous in her absence at first. Well, actually, but more fucking drama. This is why you don't. This is why you don't work with your spouse. Just as somebody who has just fucking take some notes. <clears throat> In this case, it's been sort of an shittily kept secret that Deborah's been fucking around on Mongo anyways, right? We, we've covered this in the show. It's just at this point, it's just a, it's still a kayfabe secret. It's not out and out. However, unfortunately this time, she and Jarrett got caught fucking backstage and Mongo could no longer pretend that he doesn't know that they're fucking. And there was a ton of heat backstage as Mongo overcorrected by having a four alarm meltdown and destroying half of a locker room. Now, this fight went on most of the night since this fucking incident happened early in the afternoon. Made everything super fucking awkward to the point where Deborah and Mongo were actually asked to leave the arena before the show even started. But Flair interceded to, and played the peacemaker because Mongo still had to put over his match coming up with Kevin Green a couple of times. Um, and so they got to stick around, but they got their own locker room. And so what ended up happening was they were in the middle of a 
marriage argument when Jeff Jarrett got called down to the ring and she didn't know that she was supposed to go until some production monkeys were pounding down their door, reminding her that she was supposed to go out. Now, you can tell just from looking at her face that she's kind of been crying a little bit. Her hair is not quite as kept as it was earlier on in the night. It's, uh, yeah, they had a bit of a... Yeah, all night long, they were making things super awkward for everyone, even being in their own locker room, because apparently you could hear them all over the goddamn backstage area. Now, the match itself, the Jeff Jarrett Dean Malenko match, was very well performed. Uh, it was an old school match, including the Eddie Frog Splash that effectively ended this one for Malenko, as uh, Jeff Jarrett wins the belt. Not in the clean way, which is good for his character. It's good for Dean Malenko's character. It's good for Eddie's character as he comes back too. So again, solid match. Uh, just there was a lot of bullshit going on in the background that kind of, it didn't bleed into the match so much as it just made things just super fucking awkward knowing about it as I was watching it back. Do you know what I mean? Anyways. After this, we get a Gene Rant promo with Jimmy Hart and the Faces of Fear. Hart is here to tell us that the last man Benoit has to face before he'll be allowed to challenge Kevin Sullivan yet again. Benoit has to beat Kevin Sullivan. God damn it. It's just... Nice to have you back booking your own shit storylines, Kev. Solid gold, buddy. Solid fucking gold. <sighs> Sullivan gets a pop as a hometown boy, but he has to remind everyone that he's actually from Boston, not from Florida. Um, once he does remind everyone he's from Boston, he starts getting cheers. Ultimately, the whole fucking promo makes no goddamn sense at all. Benoit eventually comes out. He and Sullivan bash at each other in a bit. In uh, for a bit in a much more believable fight than that last Logan Paul bout until, of course, even though Sullivan ordered them all to stand aside, Meng Barbarian and Jackie help Sullivan beat down Benoit and we go to break. After this, we've got your main event, Ric Flair and Roddy Piper defeat the Outsiders via DQ for the WCW World Tag Team Championship. So obviously the belts don't change hands. I gave it four out of five. Now here's the thing. I'm rating it kind of as a shit match but as a good promo uh and and good promo is going to be rated on a scale too because good is sort of kind of i okay let's explain back from break hall nash and six come out for the outsiders match nash lets us know that he's washed his hair twice i mean he does have pretty fantastic hair the fuck do I care how many times you wash it, though? The match itself starts off as a clusterfuck going into break. Back from break, though, things look a little bit more organized for about two minutes. The whole thing breaks down into another clusterfuck as it becomes NWO versus Horseman versus WCW versus Luchadors, then Green versus Mongo, then the Heat versus the Steiners, then eventually J.J. Dillon comes down to the ring with three cops in tow with a great wide arena shot, which really looked cool, but of course they didn't do anything. Somehow, at some point, Rath, Mortis, and Glacier come out for a fight, presumably because we all forgot that, that they have a match on Sunday too. Fans start chanting we want staying which admittedly at this point would have been kind of cool but it gets much better Sullivan and the faces of fear come down they work over Benoit on the ring Savage comes down quickly followed by DDP and they face off there's a hell of a pop from the crowd for that one Hogan makes his way down nails DDP and Flair with the championship belt then finally Sting comes down from the ceiling he blew the roof off the arena with his entrance he holds off the NWO but hesitates to get into the ring Hall and Norton do come out of the ring. They get blasted by the bat because Sting is trying 
to get DDP latched up in this whole rig. Uh, Bagwell eats one final blast as Sting and DDP get raised up into the rafters for another big pop. The show fades to black itself on Flair and Piper still fighting with Holland Nash in the ring. Again, the main event is more of a promo than a match, so the score is kind of more of it based on being a promo to put over the bash and pretty much every match on the bash instead of your classic Flair, Piper, Nash, or Hall match. Still, it was a satisfying way to end Nitro and reminds everybody of every fucking match coming up on Sunday at the bash. Uh, admittedly, all of the matches on the pay-per-view are not going to be gold, but here's the thing. The, the point is... Um, sorry, I'm losing my... I'm losing my point. The point is the cell has been booked. So it was a good job done there. Effectively, though, Nitro is not as good as it has been leading up to this. It wasn't horrible, but I'll give it a three because it served its purpose. And I'm past done watching Sullivan's show. And um, I just, the whole company needs to move past this 1980s booking. Uh, the only reason that w- the only reasons that WCW is narrowly defeating the WWF in the ratings is the NWO and the fact that WWF's booking is even shittier. Things are about to kick into high gear, though, of course, with the WCW finally cutting the cord on Sullivan and installing a new booking committee that does a reasonably good job of building WCW into something that has the potential to destroy the WWF, not just wound it with a hundred slices now without giving away any spoilers or reminding you how things go down here is the great american bash card feel free to go watch it before next week's show because of course we're gonna be talking about the fallout next week on this episode of market radios to talk about nitro for uh, next week now ultimo dragon versus psychosis with sunny ono Harlem Heat uh, versus the Thatter Brothers. That is, again, for the number one contendership for the tag straps. Conan versus Hugh Morris and I guess, a revenge match. Glacier versus Wrath. Nobody knows if he actually gets a stupid fucking helmet back, but there it is. Uh, by the way, J- Wrath is going to have James Vanderberg and Mortis in his corner. I almost said Vanderbeek again. Akira Hokuto is going up against Medusa. This is a title versus career match. Again, not going to tell you how that ends because it... The- Pivotal-ish part of the show, I guess. Chris Benoit versus Ming. No, it wasn't actually against Sullivan, even though he did do a promo just earlier on tonight saying that it was going to be, fuck's sakes, in a death match, which means that we're going to fucking have another Sullivan-Benoit match. Great. Awesome. That should be thrilling. Kevin Green versus Steve McMichael, of course, with Deborah McMichael in Steve's corner. The Outsiders uh, with six in their corner versus Ric Flair and Roddy Piper for the WCW Tag Team Straps. And then, of course, Randy Savage with Miss Elizabeth going up against DDP with Kim Page in a Falls Count Anywhere match or a Lights Out match or a quote-unquote unsanctioned match so there you go that's it for the show this week tune in next week where we're going to be talking about the june 16th episode of nitro for episode 91 where they will continue to dominate in the ratings and raw falls even farther back so i'm kind of sorry about that not really well that was an abortion of a show should the mood take you, check out MarkOutRadio.com and leave a comment. You can also find links there to our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Stitcher channels. You can even leave a voicemail on our Skype. Just click the links and share them. 